Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. Execute Order 66. What's up, clones, and welcome to Watch Club. My name is CT0831, but you can call me Hugs. And this is Watch Club for our weekly review series, uh, which is kind of like a book club, but it's, it's way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do so, and then come back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we're all mind-controlled through our broken inhibitor chips, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. First up, he's taller than a Jawa, smaller than Jabba, and as entertaining as Jar Jar, he's CT1231, also known as Edit. Hey, hey, it's your boy. You <laughs> <laughs> Coming in to, to chop things up, I chop see. It, okay. Chop, snippity, snap, snippity, snap. <laughs> Is that where we're going with <laughs> yeah. that? All right. Well, listen, rounding out our small battalion, we have the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT1006, but you can call him Joints. <laughs> Joint supporting for duty. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, awesome. that totally works. <laughs> Welcome oh, back. Great. How are you guys? How are you guys doing? How are you doing this fine evening? Doing good. Ready to talk about these bad batches. <laughs> My God, absolutely stoked to get into this uh, this episode and this series. It it feels like honestly, it feels way like way too long since we've had some wonderful Star Wars animation. And uh, I mean, at least on the animation front, this episode definitely delivers. Yeah, hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. Right. Uh, but before we get into things, this watch club will be a little different than watch clubs we've done before. So if you've tuned in for previous watch clubs on like whether the Mandalorian or, or Falcon and Winter Soldier or WandaVision, um, this one's going to be a little different because, you know, there's so much happening, especially in this extra long premiere episode. Uh, and with the format of this series, we're going to try something new. So going through uh, this episode, we're going to go through the major moments and provide our overall thoughts instead of going like moment to moment. Uh, so before we dive in, I want to know your high-level thoughts. High, I did the quotation marks for you there, Joints. Uh, I want to know your high-level thoughts on the episode titled Aftermath. Joints, take it away. Uh, I loved the episode. I thought it was a great way to reintroduce these characters to us and uh, give us a, the, a fresh perspective on the the empire just after order 66 it's so cool yeah. so cool yeah. i'm so stoked to see more of that and we definitely got uh some some really cool i think uh remake moments here um i loved how they they like remade the uh the, the opening moments uh that when they when the when the narrator's talking and they they show those moments from episode three but they're done in like the clone wars style it's just so cool edit what about yourself uh well hugs um i gotta say <laughs> this was uh this was uh as you were saying very refreshing to be brought back into the animated series and and i think anchoring it with uh the the order 66 helps solidify where we are in the star wars universe and in that story uh we knew that this was going to happen but i think i think to most of us i think we were fairly surprised that it was happening so early but given where the final season of clone wars ended this this is fitting right like it's it's very fitting for us to to start here and they're really going to take us into this new sort of transition of the galaxy where they are turning into the galactic empire so that's what's really interesting is 
is that you know we we've seen these aspects in rebels but this is where we're seeing the beginnings of it so it's 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 going to be cool and it'll be interesting to see how this new timeline that they're kind of touching where else might we see that in future right. star wars properties that are coming up and it's also cool just to see how how they're connecting it even to the things that maybe we have already seen, like bringing characters that we've maybe just been recently introduced to uh, in some of the other series that we've got and even some of the live action series. So um, for me, this episode hit really well. Um, It felt like a movie, like an animated movie. It basically was, it's, we're basically in season eight of the Clone Wars and that's, that's totally fine with me. Um, I loved how fast paced uh, they, you know, they got to the multiple catalysts of the series uh, and they, you know, the way they moved from moment to moment felt really good. Um, Very much, a setup episode, uh, and I think it could have honestly, it could have maybe even been a few episodes, but in particular, you know, starting and ending the way it did really, really worked well for me, and uh, it just got me so excited for more Star Wars stories and seeing more familiar faces. So cool. Well, listen, um, as I mentioned, we're going to do this Watch Club a little differently. I'm going to just kind of give you a big chunk of the episode, and then we're going to talk about it. So uh, let's start off here. Um, the opening of the episode took place on Kaller, uh, where we start off by seeing Jedi Master uh, Depa Bilaba. Um, and her Padawan, Caleb Doom, which is awesome, uh, leading a group of clones against the final attack of the droid army. Uh, This is also where we're introduced to Clone Force 99, uh, where they easily, easily take out the droids with spectacular style. In less than 10 minutes into the episode, we see the commencement of Order 66 and the death of Master Balaba. Caleb is obviously devastated, and he doesn't trust Hunter or the rest of the Bad Batch, so he runs away. Crosshair decides to follow his orders uh, and attempts to kill Caleb. When Caleb escapes, Hunter lies to Crosshair and tells him he's dead. Obviously, Crosshair doesn't believe him. So, guys, what did you think of this opening for the series? Darcy, we'll start with you. Uh, Well, first off, I thought it was uh, really uh, interesting to see how all the clones received the order. As you saw, like when they're turning on Balaba there, they're all slowly getting that order and then raising the gun. Yeah. Uh, even to the point where Wrecker mentions that he heard the broadcast after Tech brings it up on all the channels and stuff like that. So yeah. this is a clone-wide thing, not just the captains, which right. clearly has an effect on uh, the show going forward. Yeah. Um, another thing I thought was cool was the fact that uh, when when Crosshair decides to take the shot, he says, good soldiers follow orders. Yes, yes. Which is straight from that Clone Wars episode yeah. where, where the, the clone's chip goes off early and he turns on the Jedi. So I thought it was really neat to start tying those things together, mm-hmm. like seeing the chip in action after getting that little hint yeah. in the uh, the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It felt like, a, you know, as I mentioned at the top, it felt like we were watching Clone Wars again. The animation, which we're going to probably write, like just go crazy about for the entire, during this entire watch club. Um, but... I got to also shout out Caleb Doom uh, and Depa Balaba. Kanan Jarrus uh, was so cool to see. It was crazy. It was weird to hear an unaltered version of Freddie Prince Jr., though. Oh, yeah, man. A hundred percent. That was the big giveaway for me. Um, and then I remembered that there was that episode in Rebels where uh, Kanan was explaining how he like went by a new alias in, in a sense of hiding. So uh, I thought it was really great to just include just one small sort of character to kind of connect. I enjoy those small little Easter egg throwaways that they try to do to say, you know, just to create more of a connectivity between these characters and, and past characters that we know. Because, you know, I think that we'll see that throughout 
the the show is is just these random characters that we might have seen in in rebels or or clone wars randomly just pop up and and that I'm okay with that that at least just creates another again another thread of of the show and and to Nate's point earlier you know this this does feel like clone wars uh, season eight, and that's fine. Yeah. Like I, I, I think yeah. this is the way that you would want to continue that and stay in that world, not necessarily sticking around just the key characters, but going moving through the universe. It's it's very uh, American Horror Story esque, if you will, like in that in that sort of vein. Not obviously with the mm-hmm. same sort, but just focusing on something else that's going on in this galactic world, but still yeah, connected. Yeah, like an anthology type thing where exactly. each, each season is like uh, next season will be focusing on a different aspect of this new empire. Exactly. Or something like that. Yeah, it'd be totally it, cool to see that. Because it, it, it'll bring up the, you know, it's possible that we could see them in future projects in, in Mandalorian or, or something like that, right? I think that'd be really cool to see like an old old hunter or something like that. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they chose to tell this story again. Because yes. uh, in the Kanan comics, they've they've already shown his, uh, like, Dip Up Dilaba's final moments. And it was slightly different but i felt like they still managed to carry the same impact and uh meaning of her death and her last words to caleb so again it was weird that they decided to retell it but i am still on board for the way they retold it so yeah i'm all I mean, good with that I, I mean uh darcy correct me if i'm wrong but I, I did read the beginning of that comic uh around i think when it released and i remember being so excited to kind of learn more about kanan and 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 then to kind of discover um, that it was like there was a clone, I think, that it his inhibitor chip didn't go off and he had to sacrifice himself. So I think it was a little bit darker, uh, if I remember it from the comic book. Obviously, they lightened it up because this is maybe a little bit more kid friendly, this version. Yeah, I, I think uh, I feel like they maybe made that change because he wanted to, they wanted him to sympathize or try to sympathize with the bad batch because they're also right, in the same the, boat as him where yeah. they don't know what's going on. So yeah. I understand that change. And I again, I'm totally stoked with how they put, managed to pull that off. And it brings up the ability for Disney. I think it, it kind of uh, just says Disney is willing to take from the comics. You know, I think for the longest time, at least up until now, I was under the impression that if I wanted to see those stories, I'd have to read those comics. And while I still encourage everyone to read the comics, they're fantastic. Uh, and you'll obviously get a different uh, you know, perspective. Um, I think it's exciting because it means maybe we can see some of those really wonderful comic storylines come to fruition, but, whether it be in live action or animation. Now, it was it was crazy that we we started this episode literally moments before Order 66. I certainly wasn't expecting that to happen so soon. Justin, I think you mentioned yeah. you weren't expecting no. that either. That was... That was it makes really sense, cool though, to see how it, it carried out. It's actually, it does make sense in terms of like solidifying where this story takes place, anchoring it around yeah. an event we knew was was going to happen or is part of this this timeline. It's very fitting that they would put it at the beginning. And it's such a it's such a big event too, you know, like yeah. we think of Marvel Universe with the snap. Right. And everything that came before and after the snap. So I I absolutely agree, Justin. I think it's fantastic that they're just they're saying here it is. And they're going from there. I also thought like, guys, we got to talk about Clone Force 99's entrance was so good. It was Mm -hmm. such a wonderful way to show off like their individual talents and and establish them for an audience who who may not have even seen them in the Clone Wars. And I think I think this episode honestly proves at least proved to me that I think people could jump into this series not even maybe not even seeing the club. I mean, there's going to yes. be some aspects mm-hmm. they won't get, but I think people could do it. If, if you're, if you're wondering if you want to watch this uh, and you're listening to all these spoilers, um, but you weren't wondering if you want to watch this, I think you could. Well, it, to, to the point of what we were just talking about before with order 66, even if you're a casual star Wars fan, I think you might know what that is in terms of, of the events right. of the star Wars canon. So yeah. to know that that 
is happening at the beginning in this first episode, right at the beginning of this episode, it'll help lock even those casual people into an understanding of, okay, I know where we are. Uh, I I feel like that's part, part of the reason why it was such a long episode probably was to give themselves sure. the time to introduce the characters and their their unique characteristics and also set up those those plot lines that yep. keep people interested in the story Very good. where yeah, they don't know I any agree. of the characters. Yes. So mm. yeah, 100%. Like I, I totally see I agree with the it, you don't need to, you don't even need to know the Clone Wars lore at all to enjoy the show. Yeah, based off of what you literally just said, Darcy, like I'm thinking back to the episode and yeah, like each of the clones really did kind of get their own moment yeah. to establish themselves of who they are. And I, I think to that one moment that we'll get to with Echo sort of freaking out on the bed and like, mm-hmm. you know, for somebody who had, didn't watch the Clone Wars, then that's going to add a, an air of mystery to his character, right? So mm-hmm. um, really cool. Okay, uh, are we, we're good to move to the next section yes, here. absolutely. Um, so then we, you know, we, we get to the next section of the episode on Camino. Uh, and we see, which it was awesome to see Camino again. Uh, we see the effects of Order 66 affecting, you know, all the clones. Uh, and, you know, we get that uh, that remake of Sidious announcing the Galactic Empire. Uh, and we're introduced to Omega. Uh, we see Tarkin on Camino, which was awesome to see. Uh, and he's there to determine if, you know, they should uh, they should still use clones in the new Imperial Army. We see Omega's curiosity and stubbornness lead to an awesome food fight uh, and Echo struggle with the medical droid. Uh, the fight in the cafeteria gains the attention of Tarkin uh, and he has Clone Force 99 tested in a battle simulation that becomes a little bit less of a simulation at a certain point. Uh, it gets very dangerous. Uh, and our Bad Batch, again, just show off their teamwork abilities. Uh, and because of their success, Tarkin orders them to go to Onderon to deal with Separatist forces intent on keeping the galaxy at war. Okay, so before we get to Onderon, uh, let's talk about seeing Camino again. Uh, some incredible moments here with the cafeteria scene, the test chamber. Uh, and what did you think of Omega? Justin, we'll start with you. You can answer any of those. Well, uh, I got to say, being taken back to Camino, yes, loved it. Uh, I think we didn't get enough of that place for as integral as it is in the yeah. whole storyline of clones and Star Wars. Uh, I know that, you know, Clone Wars, the episode two, Attack of the Clones. Uh, was was very heavily focused on it, but again, it just didn't do the justice. And I feel like here, there's a little bit more mystery about like what's really going on on Camino, right? Like yeah. what what else are they working on? And and I think that that leads into the introduction of someone like Omega, um, mm-hmm. and you know her significance and and who she is. So, you know, there's they they are seed planting, and it just makes me my head scratch a little bit of like how how deep are they going to go with Camino's importance? You know, like like I know it's really it's not a Mandalorian. It's not a live action show. I, I get that. But this show could potentially do something for Camino that makes it so significant that makes you just kind of rethink the whole Star Wars galaxy and, and maybe even going all the way to something like the Rise of the Skywalker to understand how Sidious you know, or, uh, you know, decided yeah. to call himself. Oh, so, yeah. We're so all I'm, dancing around the theory. You know what I mean? Heads. So, like, I know. I'm, I I just, know. <laughs> there's, there's just such a cool, cool yeah. thing about uh, visiting that. Um, Again, we'll, we'll talk more about Omega, but seeing her obviously eyebrow raises as you know how she's, how keen she is and how connected she is with with uh, the Bad yeah. Batch or seems to be drawn to them, if you will. Um, and mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. I think throughout this episode, this is just two other scenes: the cafeteria scene and especially when they're being tested by Tarkin. Um, you know, those are very pivotal scenes to just show the team dynamic, like how they all make this cohesive membrane of success when it comes to these missions right like they they know how to work with each other um so i think it's great that they're establishing that right off the bat here so that 
if someone like we were saying before doesn't know who these characters are or has has never seen uh, any of the animated series of, of Star Wars leading up to this, they can get hooked on these characters. Very cool. Darcy. Uh, well, the return of Camino was awesome. Uh, I have to agree with that. I thought it was really interesting the way they chose to use uh, the helmets on clones kind of to indicate stuff. Uh, I remember in Clone Wars when they were walking around the halls of Camino, there was a lot more individuality amongst the clones you see walking around in different states of undress yes. with their helmets on or off. Shaved, this buzzed time, hair, yeah. Uh, exactly, exactly yeah. tattoos yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But now we're seeing them and they're all walking around in helmets and full armor, except for the Bad Batch. And I thought it was really interesting to go take that point further crosshair is the only one still with his helmet on during that scene so it's again mm. implying oh, that interesting his chip is his chip is you know still working slightly so i thought that was a very neat way of uh like highlighting that just showing like how already coming back they've just gotten back and they can already tell something's not right with their brother their clone brothers um again touching on omega briefly here i thought she was uh, a really cool way to show that she does have some sort of connection to the bad batch in her ability to pick them out from a crowd from so far away and the fact that hunter also picked up on that tarkin's return was awesome i think it's really cool to show that uh the clearly already they're talking or his his stinginess it seems about like cutting off the clone program makes you think are they already planning to build the death star and need to have those funds allotted for that alone now yeah budget cuts yeah <laughs> absolutely but tarkin yeah. coming back and, and having that i 100 percent agree death star vibes all over it yeah 100 percent. and i love I loved uh, all of the scenes that I kind of just shouted out there. And just to touch upon like Omega um, and, you know, she's voiced by Michelle Ong, who's uh, also from New Zealand. So I think it was it was just really cool to kind of hear that in her, um, given that, you know, we've got uh, Tamura Morrison, who is the original you know, spoke, you know, supposed voice. But shout out to D. Bradley Baker as well, just for just for nailing giving all of these characters individual voices. It's just absolutely incredible. And personalities. Um, that you could, you could, right? You can close your eyes and you know that it's the same person, but you like talking, but you know that they're different characters. Like it's just so well done. Um, I think, you know, looking at their evaluation scene, I love how Lama Su, uh, I think it was Lama Su or Nala Se, one of them calls them Experimental Unit 99. I thought that was really, really funny <laughs> instead, of, uh, instead of Clone Force 99. And I just want to shout out like, the last time we saw an evaluation like this, it was with Domino Squad in Clone Wars. Mm. And it took them an entire episode to get as good as Clone Force 99 here. Um, they just work so well together. And I just have to shout out that knife throw shot with Crosshair was just unreal yeah was so I, I was phenomenal. definitely shocked at that i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> so cool and the, and just really quickly the droids they were fighting here i gotta ask darcy are those dark trooper like early dark trooper concepts the, i'm thinking they gotta be dark trooper prototypes yeah uh, they like totally are uh, also talking about when they decide to you know go to switch to live rounds i thought it was interesting that uh both the communos kind of showed concern in that that they said they, I don't want to damage our clones. It's they, mm. they do care about them to some extent, yeah. even if they only are as objects. So I, I thought that was really neat, a neat side of the uh, Kaminoans. Like, again, they do care for their creations, just maybe not so much as like a familial bond type thing. Then we get to Onderon, and Clone Force 99 notices uh, that the Separatist forces that they were sent to destroy are not droids at all, but a small band of rebels led by none other 
than Saw Gerrera. He's back again. Yet again, more Saw Gerrera. Okay. Uh, so we see we see Crosshair uh, frustrated by Hunter's call to stand down. Uh, and then we see Saw Gerrera inform them that the Clone War has ended, but a civil war is about to begin. Uh, the Rebels then leave to reach a, a rendezvous point after having that discussion with, uh, with Saw or sorry, with, with the Clone Force 99, and, and then they discover that they're being spied on. Uh, so they take out the probe droid and decide to leave to head back to Kamino. So just a short little visit here. Um, oh, and also uh, Tech informs the group that Omega is actually the fifth enhanced clone uh, as Echo is technically a reg, and I love how they call them regs. I just think that's hilarious. But yes, um, Echo is technically a reg, so Omega is the fifth enhanced clone, and now the entire uh, you know Clone Force ninety nine they all know it. Uh, so guys, Saw Gerrera is back yet again. He seems to show up in so many things. What did you think of his appearance here, Darcy? Uh, I don't know if I was wanting more Saw Gerrera, <laughs> but I guess he, he is a very important he's character. In everything. Yeah, he, he's in every Rebel origin story it seems mm-hmm, and again mm-hmm. it, he is important he seems to be one of the the, the founders of the rebellion that mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. Uh, know in a new hope and uh for sure going forward from there so i understand why they included him uh but i feel like they could have also used any other rebel person i would have been if, if it was champ singular i think that'd be another cool little tie yeah, oh yeah yeah, yeah. that would have been cool uh, stuff like that but you know i'm okay with them going back to Onderon, and it has to be soft you're on Onderon, yeah. i guess so I'm yeah okay it, makes, with that. It, it makes sense to darcy's point i don't know if i was necessarily clamoring for more saw guerrera um but it makes sense just to again as i was saying before you know, just dropping these these characters that we may have been introduced to uh, as as fans of the other animated series to know the thread. It's and the, the Filoni verse, Justin. Yeah, it's the yeah, Filoni verse of Star Wars. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, I want to take a moment to shout out the the music and lighting in this uh, in this scene, like the shadows and the moonlight. And then there's like a moment where they're all like huddled together, and you hear some Spanish guitar, which like. I've never heard that in in Star Wars ever, and I thought it was fantastic. And it's just not the kind of setting or music that we're used to getting from from Star Wars. So yeah, it had it had a, it had a very westerny vibe to it, right? Yes. Like samurai samurai visual aesthetics with like the harsh shadows and the moonlight, and the, you know the shadows being very crunchy, and you can't really see much. But then you know the music is very cowboy esque. So again, I think there's they're playing with that genre mixing in that in those moments. Which I love because, like, I think, you know, you've got George, uh, sorry, um, John Williams doing all the music for Star Wars for most of your life. And then, you know, it just shows how cool it can be when you when you just take a moment to hand it to someone else for a quick moment. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I want more John Williams Star Wars music in my life at yeah, some point. But John point. Williams is different. He's a different. Yeah, and, yeah. and when he was hired to do Star Wars, it was to bring a cinematic epicness to it. It, the music right. was so integral. Now that Star Wars has its footing in it, and it's now you know found its, you know, for lack of better words, balance of how it does things. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it can be a little bit more experimental with its music because the music that Ludwig does on Ludwig Göransson yeah, with Mandalorian dude, so good. is 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 next level. He's like evolved John yep. Williams' vision of Star Wars music, right? So. I uh, I feel like with uh, Hunter's reaction to hearing about Omega and as being one of the clones, and his like, immediate reaction is that we need to go back for her. I feel like his whole "no man left behind" mentality will come back to play, uh, come into play again later on in the season with what happens as the story goes on. Hmm. Uh, so I feel like that was a very pivotal moment to see how 
immediately Hunter has acknowledged her as one of their own and needs to be protected like them. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah, on the note of Omega, I, I entirely agree. I think that this is where we see Hunter almost adopt more of the father instincts or we'll say bigger brother because we don't know necessarily because I don't know I was getting vibes throughout this entire episode is, is she a clone of, of him like is 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 he the I mean the, technically aren't they all clones of each other sure <laughs> sure but it's a she yeah. though it's a she right, right? so like yeah. that's that makes that makes that's what's so unique about this whole situation is that it's not a boy right because mm. then you could say that what's interesting is that this is a girl this is the first girl enhanced clone that we've we've ever been introduced to i think in the star wars universe thus far so she's mm. she's going to be important is what this scene says and and at least that was a nice sort of gratification here right in in that moment totally. and we we get another one later but it, here it was nice to just say okay there is something about her right like you know there is something unique about her yeah oh we'll keep, we'll continue talking <laughs> about that don't worry don't yeah. worry uh, back on Camino, uh, Hunter and the rest quickly realize that something is terribly wrong if they're being asked to execute innocent villains, uh, innocent civilians. Uh, Hunter tells the group to find Omega and get back to the ship to escape. They are immediately, like immediately, caught by Tarkin and the Regs, uh, and they're thrown into the brig where Omega. Um, sorry, where they find Omega and they offer for her to join them. Crosshair, again, we see him disagree uh, and he's taken away and he has his inhibitor chip made more effective as ordered by Tarkin. Uh, after an, an excellent escape from the brig, uh, the Bad Batch and Omega find themselves almost aboard the ship when all of a sudden, Crosshair and a team of clones storm in. Now, we see Nala say override the doors and help them escape for some reason. Clone Force 99 and Omega escape, get on the ship, and they plot a course for J-19, and the episode ends. Um, so, guys, what did we think of Nala Say helping them escape, and what did you think of the you know the jailbreak and the, uh, the sort of very obvious betrayal from Crosshair, uh, Darcy? Uh, I think that, uh, you know... Uh... That was it Nala Se or Lamasu, whatever one it was. I think it was uh, Nala clearly, Se, yeah. Clearly, she has a connection to Omega and cares about her a lot. She seems like she's almost a special project of hers, mm-hmm. as is like the rest of ninety, uh, the Clone Force ninety nine. So uh, she clearly cares about her well being. Um, for what reason we don't know yet, but there, I think her survival is important to the uh, the Kaminoans as a greater whole. Especially as Ooh. later on, we see that. Uh, the prime minister is just like, yeah, good. Don't tell anyone about what just happened there type thing. So they're, they definitely want to hide something about Omega from yeah, I, the Empire. I agree. I agree. They were yeah. protecting her, if anything, more yeah. than the Bad Batch. Like, I think if it came to push came to shove and if they had to sacrifice the Bad Batch, they would. But Omega, no. You know what I mean? I think that they were they were out to protect her. Darcy, you had mentioned um, some some very lo- sort of little moments that you noticed, like in the cafeteria scene with how the visual differences between between the clones. Um, and I just really want to shout out another visual moment in the brig that I caught that I just thought was so incredibly adorable, where um, Hunter is sitting a certain way, and then he sort of shifts his body, and you see you see Omega do literally the exact same, like she's copying him. It's just so cute. Um, yeah, she definitely idolizes Hunter, and I love that right? relationship. And I can't it's wait to so... see where it goes. <laughs> and 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 like Nala say must have, you know, some sort of connection to Omega as we're discussing. 
Um, I have a theory, and I, I think we all have a very similar theory from maybe stuff we've concocted in our minds and stuff that maybe we saw on the internet. And we'll get to that maybe um, into, into our next Watch Club when we give our predictions. Um, but for now, I just want to quickly say this. We see the moment in the break between Omega and Crosshair, and she says it's not his fault. He can't help it. I think she's definitely like force sensitive or or something like that. You see her um, also very quickly understand the importance of Wrecker's uh, stuffed. He calls her Lula, <laughs> and and she immediately knows his connection to it, even though she didn't she didn't know that it was his. Um, and because you see him freaking out in that one moment, um, and and she shoots Crosshair's like she shoots. It's Crosshair's gun from, like, across the room, and she's never shot a blaster before. I mean, she's got to be sensitive, right? Well, they're definitely raying, they're raying her, if you will. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, they're, they're dropping, like, these weird subtle hints of, like, uber super connectivity beyond just, like, you know, personable. But, like, you know, to your point, how she called out Crosshair, that was really, that was really weird. And I was like, that, that to me was a very telling sign of like, what is, what is up with her? Right? Like yeah. what, what has she got? Yeah. I, I, I agree. Definitely some force sensitive vibes from it, but I also got a different thing. When you consider her relationship with AZI three, who we've seen mm. in pre the clone war season, assisting fives in fight, figuring out the inhibitor chips and yeah. wanting to help. So this droid knew about the inhibitor chips and saw what happened to the clones when they go wrong type thing. So I'm wondering, is he helping Omega or telling Omega about the chips she clearly maybe already knows about the chips from the way she's talking to Crosshair, saying, I know what's going on. I know it's not your fault. Yeah. It's because she's seeing what the chip's done to everyone else around oh, the base. Oh, right. So she's not that's foreseeing I, it. She's way. not foreseeing it, but she she's talking about it from an experience standpoint because she's learned about it. Okay, I get you. That's, that makes that's sense. That I, does another make sense. takeaway. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. I mean, sense. it'd be really neat to see if she was a first force-sensitive clone, and that's why she's so important. But another way to spin it is she just she is an enhanced clone and is like Hunter and has those enhanced senses and can pick up on those mm. small things mm. that we normally would miss. I loved I loved how they, you know, immediately created a team struggle here with with Crosshair. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. and and you know, showed immediately how that inhibitor chip was uh, affecting his 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 evaluation of situations and and challenging his teammates. Um when he walked through though with that sniper rifle and they did that reveal, <sighs> I honestly think though this is what we're going to see so is that clones will be leveraged as kind of a special force unit like a crosshair where they are maybe death troopers or like snipers uh mm. you know more tactical more integral uh maybe more leader-esque in in the and maybe that's what we're seeing here is sort of a first iteration through crosshair that you know maybe they won't the empire won't fully abandon clones but they'll leverage aspects of it right uh, another thing I want to say, I meant to mention, is uh, the fact that all the clones who we've seen in Clone Wars are exceptional soldiers are starting to miss a lot more shots. And I was wondering, maybe this inhibitor chip is taking away their, their individuality, oh, wow. and their quick thinking that is that allowed them to excel. Like They are clones of a bounty wow. hunter who's you... known for... If thinking on his feet. If you just created <laughs> a justification as to why they're such bad shots, well, wow. Even Crosshair, who is a he shot a knife out of midair. He missed most of his shots during that round. And I yes, maybe he's fighting the effects of the inhibitor chip because he down deep like, doesn't oh, want to wow. hurt his brothers down deep. But I still think that the inhibitor chip is the is blocking something that makes the clone so effective. Uh, that's really interesting. Again, they clearly lose all they're their so much more effective without it, yeah. right? Yeah. No, wow. it makes sense. 
Oh, I love that yeah. idea. Again, also going back to that no man left behind mentality Hunter displayed, I feel like we potentially a plot point going for, uh, forward through the season might be him trying to find a way to save Crosshair because mm. Crosshair is their brother. He's been through so many battles with them. I can't see him just turning his back instantly. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that, that that's going to be the redemption of the season potentially, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe not. Who knows? But Maybe um, he dies. Maybe they yeah. all die. Well, who knows, right? But I think though that 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 is that is a huge part of uh, of this is kind of is going to be you know will they be able to get him back, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, guys, wrapping up our discussion on the plot, um, I want to know what are your overall thoughts and final score for this episode? Uh, and for this episode, we're going to rate it on a scale of one to five defective clones. Uh, so, Darcy, we'll start with you. Uh, well, again, I had so much to say about this episode, so clearly I enjoyed it. Uh, I've watched <laughs> it several times since it's released, uh, yeah. and I can't get enough of uh, Clone Force 99, so I'm really looking forward to seeing more of their adventures. Uh, on the scale of 1 to 5, I'm easily sitting at a 4.8, 4.9. Wow. I don't know what else they could have done to, to make a better uh, episode or intro to, the, to these characters again, like I said. So, yeah, definitely up there for me in terms of favorite animated Star Wars show. <laughs> Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Sweet deal. Justin. Uh I'd probably give it um I'd give it a four point six um out of out of five defective clones. Um I think that yeah, Darcy, you're absolutely right. The the this was the best way to introduce us uh to to the, the these characters again. It was also just a great way to reintroduce us to this moment in the Star Wars galaxy and, and telling this story. So I appreciated that. I think the only things that I that were really kind of a, a struggle for me were maybe some of the like sometimes it's it's it seems very apparent when they kind of lean hard into the kiddish side of like just kind of to give that yeah, appetite for kids. the music the music changes right you hear oh, the, the music blum, changes blum, 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 that's sort of yeah thing, that's, right? that's my thing yeah. right it's not like the it's not like in star wars where it's like you know quirky and fun you know john sure. williams sort of shift it's like it's very like i feel like i'm suddenly watching something for a seven-year-old or you know mm, what i mean like it just it kind of feels jarring and, and especially jarring, yeah yeah especially with the characters that they introduce like i love that droid character don't get me wrong um but i think the way he was implemented in this episode sure. was to remind people that this is still a kid's show right yeah. and and that's fair that's fair okay interesting um this episode was fantastic uh it, it could have easily been two episodes but i think they wanted to start off with a bang you know it was uh it was you know may the 4th uh and they certainly they certainly did it well um i loved the connections to the universe at large i loved I love when they mash old trilogy and prequel trilogy and seeing that collide with Tarkin on Kamino just got me so amped as a Star Wars fan. And um, as we mentioned, the animation, the music was strikingly beautiful. Uh, and I'm, I'm just so happy that they're they're sticking to the look and feel of Clone Wars Season 7. You know, they're not diverting off like they did with, with Rebels. I think they had the chance to potentially do that. And I'm glad they're just kind of keeping it so aligned. Um, I thought this was a, a great way to both as I said, introduce and reintroduce audiences to Clone Force 99. And it laid down a great foundation for where I think they can take these characters. I thought Omega was intriguing. And I, I, I feel like she might, as far as like fans are concerned, she might have a similar arc to Ahsoka in that I kind of feel like she's a bit annoying at times in this episode. Um, but I think as we discover more of her story, I thought so at least, I think as we discover more of her story though, I'm being fair, she'll become more and more... 
uh, likable and and you know just like Ahsoka. And I I think we'll see her and Hunter's relationship grow. And I, I don't know. I just I love how this episode also was was bookended um, with what happened with Caleb Doom uh, and the moment where you know uh, Hunter not being able to get through to him. And then sort of seeing his second opportunity with Omega and him making the right call to, to bring her along. I, th- I thought that was really good. Um, so for, for this episode, I'm going to give it 4.5. Uh, I, think it, I think they have a chance to do better. Um, 4.5 out of 5 defective clones. I think with the amount of episodes we're going to get with this show, the scores are probably going to be a little sporadic. Unlike our previous watch clubs where they've kind of stayed high with our Marvel stuff. I think they're definitely going to dip quite a bit. Um, for certain filler episodes, but all I know is I'm just honestly I'm just stoked that we have more weekly Star Wars and we get to take a little bit of a break from the MCU uh, before Loki. So um, yeah, that's my uh, that's my call on that episode. Um, now, usually we at the end of these watch clubs we like to speculate on what we think is going to happen next, but because there are so many episodes for this series, um, we might actually hold off and actually add this segment when we feel it's really needed. Uh, So because we have two episodes released so closely together, we're going to add our prediction segment at the end of our next Watch Club, which will be out very soon. Uh, I'm being told by my producers, my editors, yes, uh, very soon by the time you're listening to this. Uh, So with that said, um, that about wraps things up here for our first episode of Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Watch Club, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already. Uh, and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the show, um, you know, you, you don't have to actually have your inhibitor chip removed. Instead, you can just email us. Um, hold on, wait a minute. Uh, I can't remember the secret code. Maybe no, Justin... Your, your um, inhibitor chip's not working now, is it? I think no. that's what's going on. Or, or you know what? Maybe, maybe how about this? Justin, execute order 69. Uh, wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. It worked. It worked. <laughs> so give us an email. Let us know what you think of order 69. Oh, um, okay. Uh, so... Uh, if you don't know, we also have more than just Watch Club. We also have our regular episodes of the Geek-Centric Podcast with our latest episode out now where we discuss our thoughts on that new lightsaber coming to Disney Parks. Darcy, did you see it? Yes, I, I saw the patent two or three no, years I, that's, ago. No, he was the one who told me it. about yeah. it. I remember in the, in the episode I was saying like it was a patent that we had seen oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he had showed yeah. it to me. So I, yeah, I remember hearing about that a while ago, so I'm, I can't wait to see it in person. <laughs> we also discussed that incredible Marvel Phase 4 trailer. Darcy, did you cry? Uh, I got excited. I didn't cry. Just very excited. <laughs> My heart was pumping. And we share our thoughts on three of the year's biggest movies so far. So make sure to tune in for that as well. Justin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me on this Watch Club. And as we say, good, good soldiers, soldiers follow orders. orders.